Fire and the Flood Part 3 of the Fiends with Benefits series A Good Omens Potfic Written by Verdant Valpus And read by Literarian Chapter 17 The Cat Summary Crowley's request for a new animal form blows up in his face. But even this streak of ridiculously bad luck can be turned into an opportunity for mischief if a demon is clever enough. Content warnings Animal death 1718 Hell You're a shapeshifter too, right? Couldn't you requisition another animal form if you wanted? Crowley had thought about the Archangel Raphael's words quite a bit over the years, usually to scoff over them. Who did that angelic brat think they were? Crowley was perfectly happy with his snake form, thank you very much. Why would he ever want to go through the laborious process of getting a new animal form? He knew, down to the core of his being, that it wouldn't change the fact that he couldn't hide his snake eyes. He'd been trying for thousands of years, so it had nothing to do with control over shape-shifting. No, that was clearly a design flaw, and if anything, a new form might only make things worse. He'd been as lucky as a demon can be that this design flaw of his affected only his eyes. Many demons weren't that fortunate. Luck! Ha! Demons weren't typically a lucky bunch. One had to make their own luck down in the pits and there were no sunny archangelic healers to lend you a helping hand on your self-improvement project. Hell was the worst sort of crap bucket. Other demons only ever existed to pull you down. Crowley would never trust another demon, period. So, another form was out of the question. He was stuck as a snake. And glad of it! That's how the scoffing went for a while, and he just kept on scoffing because he went on thinking about it. He wasn't scoffing now. Crowley groaned, his ears ringing and the excruciating memory of discorporation still lighting up non-existent nerves. That one had hurt! He'd been sent to spy on a new rural Christian sect and find a way to corrupt their dogmatic doctrine for the betterment of hell. Normally, this wouldn't be a problem for someone as charismatic as Crowley, but these rural zealots were paranoid and wary of any outsiders. He'd been totally unsuccessful at procuring a foothold within their ranks. Normally, he'd wait it out and insinuate himself slowly, but Hell wanted that information quickly and pushed Crowley into sneaking inside their sanctum in his sneakiest form. But because demons are a woefully unlucky lot, one of the idiots saw his tail and sent up the alarm. Snake! 
blasted humans. Of all the innocent creatures they'd vilified and forgiven over the years, snakes just never seemed to get a fair shake. He'd run across very few snake-tolerant people, and infinitely more who were instantaneously terrified, regardless of the actual danger a given snake might present. And so here he was, slithering for his life, desperately reaching for an infernal miracle when the humans cornered him and smashed him to a pulp with a spade. Ow, he grumbled, slowly staggering to his feet and wobbling his way into the town square hell had fashioned itself to resemble these days. Maybe it was time for a change. Fast forward several aggravating hours that might as well have been centuries for what they did to Crowley's nerves, and he was sitting across from a demon with the unfortunate name of Bismuth, pleading his case for a new animal form. The sloth demon was trying to look intimidating and officious, but kept getting distracted by every movement or sound from the square outside. Crowley ground his teeth. Why do you need a new form again? Bismuth asked, blinking slowly. Because humans are bloody terrified of snakes and it's hard to do my job while dodging shovels. Crowley snapped. Well, as you're probably aware, we can't just give you any animal form. Bismuth shrugged, his gaze wandering around the room. We only get the schematics for creatures humans have demonized over the years. Obviously, Crowley replied tersely. Got just the critter. Get me a cat form. A cat, Bismuth repeated dully. Crowley wanted to scream. Yes, a cat. It's perfect. Crowley had given this matter plenty of thought between scoffings and concluded a cat would indeed be a perfect infiltration form. Humans vilified the crap out of cats, associating them with witches or the devil himself, for some fool reason, so hell was sure to have the schematics. Best of all, cats were tolerated in Western Europe now, even loved. He could saunter around out in the open, and no one would bat an eye. He could easily get up on ledges and in windows for spying purposes, and the sunbeam appreciation wouldn't be remotely suspect. What's a cat? Bismuth asked, wrinkling his dripping nose. What do you mean, what's a cat? Crowley squawked. Aren't you in charge of animal forms? What am I talking to you for otherwise? Calm down, Bismuth growled. Can't expect to remember every single animal humans decide to hate. Do you realize how much work that would be? I'm a sloth demon, 
against my nature work. The maddening demon heaved himself out of his wretched chair and wandered to a crowded bookshelf overflowing with enough books to give Aziraphale a spontaneous erection. Crowley actually managed to smile a bit at that thought. He pulled one down and leafed through it. Got it here, mammalian. Yep, Crowley rubbed his aching temples. Humans love mammals. Mammals have hair. They like soft things. This should be an easy one to whip up to go with a snake demon. Bismuth mumbled, reading over whatever was in his records. Crowley arched a brow at that, confused. Wouldn't I be a cat demon then? Lucifer himself made you the serpent, Crowley, Bismuth replied dryly. We are not messing with that. You're keeping your snake form. I'm just putting in an order to give you this cat form on top of it. I can have two animal forms. Crowley was so surprised he didn't even bother correcting the demon again over his name. But I can still have my human corporation, right? That's kind of important. Obviously. Bismuth looked offended. We're not idiots. Wow. Crowley smiled and didn't bother to correct Bismuth on that either. A cat form and his original snake form. That was better than he expected by far. Maybe a demon could be lucky after all. He had no idea how it was possible for so many things to go wrong at the same time, but really, at this point, how could he have been surprised? He'd barely gotten his upgraded corporation before Dagon was shoving him out of hell with time-sensitive orders to spy on the Bishop of York. Better get a lot of use out of that new form we gave you, the Duke snarled. You're the only demon with two animal forms and we're gonna be watching you closely to make sure you're worth it. Crowley didn't even have a chance to quip about that before... Poof! Up he went, materialising in a grand hallway inside the bishop's, thankfully secular, lavish manor. He'd barely fully pulled his corporation together when he heard approaching voices and the telltale heavy footfalls all guards seemed to be cursed with. The demon grinned excitedly and flowed into his new form at once, eager to get into some proper feline mischief, but something felt off. Surely he was too close to the ground, wasn't he? He felt far too short and far too long? 
he looked down at his four new feet, and while they were certainly furry, they didn't look like cat paws. Clarity dawned when the humans rounded the corner and shrieked, Weasel! Maybe there was something innately confounding about being in a new corporation. After all, he'd had millennia to get used to his old ones. Or maybe Crowley was just so confused and furious that it slowed his reflexes and dulled his wits. Either way, he didn't manage much more than an angry squeak when the guard snatched him up in his heavily gloved hand and quickly broke his neck. Weasel! Crowley hissed to himself, pulling himself together and angrily marching back into Hell's Market Square. He'd just had his neck wrung and was bloody well going to put that forward when he got his hands on that slimy clerk. He kicked down Bismuth's door, feeling slightly mollified by the other demon's alarmed scream. He cut the exclamation short by grabbing the clerk by the throat, but Bismuth only flowed out of his grip, leaving a mucus film in Crowley's hands. You were supposed to make me a cat, Crowley snapped, rounding on the clerk again. I did make you a cat, Bismuth spat back, straightening his stained shirt collar. You made me a weasel, Crowley snarled, slamming his fist angrily on the clerk's desk. The humans hate weasels, you idiots. It's no better than my snake form. It's bloody useless. You are mistaken. Bismuth's huff was far too indignant to be healthy for a demon in his position. Look, see, still have the schematics out. Look for yourself. The clerk handed him the file, and Crowley glared sullenly at him before flipping it open and reading the contents. See? Bismuth gloated, pointing to the top of the first page. Says it right there. Cat. Crowley blinked as he reached a whole new level of rage. It felt like something deep inside him had just twisted itself sideways and stuck. If he'd currently been in possession of an organic brain, he was sure he'd be having an aneurysm. It says, pole cuts. Crowley replied coldly, his voice taking on the quiet menace of a soon-to-be murderer. A cat is a cat, Bismuth argued. What's it matter what human country it's from? Satan's knickers, Crowley cursed, flinging the file down on the desk. You're as stupid as you are ugly. Why are you in this job if you don't even know what a cat is? My job isn't the one you should be worried about, 
Crawley, Bismuth growled. You've got your second form and, apparently, the attention of Lucifer himself. So make do with the cat form you have. It's not a cat form, Crowley interjected furiously, before understanding the whole of Bismuth's comment. His fury evaporated into dry, cold fear. Wait, what do you mean I got Lucifer's attention? He's paying attention to this, Bismuth hissed. To you. So snark and threaten me all you want, Crawley. But I'm not incriminating myself by changing your animal form now. No way I'd call that kind of heat down on myself. You are far from the scariest demon in this joint. Crowley didn't want that particular kind of heat either. Thank you very much. What the bloody fuck am I supposed to do with a weasel form? Crowley asked, feeling desperate now. Dunno. Don't care. Bismuth shrugged, gathering up the schematics and waddling over to refile them. But if I were you, I'd get real comfy with that new animal form in the next few months until interested parties get bored. They'll expect results. Getting comfy with a polecat form wasn't really the problem. It was, in point of fact, exceedingly comfortable. There was something distinctly snaky about it, and Crowley found he got a handle on its movement pretty quickly. It was fast, and its senses were sharp. But people really didn't like him. He'd spent the better part of a month in the English countryside, learning how to hunt, survive, and protect himself in this long, fuzzy body, but he knew he'd have to start sneaking around humans soon if he was going to prove himself to the dukes. There was a small farm bordering the forest he currently haunted. That seemed a decent place to practice spying. A farm would have plenty of places to hide and plenty of food too. After all the trouble he'd been through, Crowley was looking forward to a well-deserved break. Then he met the farmer's cat. 
The cat was a huge orange tom, predictably called Pumpian, and it seemed to sniff Crowley out as soon as he scurried over the property line. They eyed each other suspiciously, Pumpion apparently trying to decide if Crowley was prey, and Crowley feeling a strong pang of irrational jealousy toward the orange beast. Then the yowling started, and Crowley decided it best to be jealous from somewhere safer. He sped off into the nearby barn with the cat hot on his tail. Crowley was more nimble, able to maneuver quickly through holes and around farm tools, but Pompeion wasn't exactly a clumsy clod. He was a trained mouser with, as it turned out, iron determination. He followed Crowley up into the loft and back down into the stools, where Crowley startled a Clydesdale and narrowly escaped being trampled. Pompeon nearly cornered him at the mouth of the barn, but Crowley was able to climb the wooden door and vanish up into the rafters. He gasped, trying to catch his breath as Pompeon prowled below. He'd just gotten his wind back when he heard singing come from the other side of the barn. Ready to practice his infiltration skills, he ducked his head low and slunk across the ceiling beams until he wiggled out between the slats and jumped over to the homestead roof. A woman was knitting on the porch below, singing softly to herself and rocking contentedly in an old oak rocking chair. Crowley settled down to watch, making mental notes as he would if this were remotely interesting. So focused was he, in fact, he nearly missed the blur of orange to the left as Pompeian landed soundlessly on the roof behind him. Crowley hissed, annoyed and a bit insulted at how it sounded coming from a polecat's throat, and readied himself for battle. If this bloody cat wanted to fight, then he'd fight. Pompeian wanted to fight. And he was disturbingly good at it. They yowled and screamed, rolling around the shingles in a ball of fur, claws and teeth, until gravity intervened and they both tumbled into the hollyhocks below. This bloody cat was getting on Crowley's last nerve. He'd been insulted enough. He wasn't going to be bested by a stupid feline. Pompeion, of course, disagreed, scratching Crowley viciously across his nose and tearing a white cut across Crowley's small round ear. Enough! Crowley snarled, the pain, anger and humiliation finally hitting the flashpoint. Pompeion hissed once, then screamed as hellfire ignited beneath it. The cat was consumed in seconds, reduced to nothing but ash by the infernal heat of demonic wrath. It might have been overkill, but Crowley wasn't known for his level-headedness or moderation. Demon! 
the woman cried behind him. Crowley rolled his dark eyes and summoned a miracle to vanish back to the safety of the woods. Nothing happened. Instead, a series of sigils burned themselves into the grass around him. A demon trap, manifested seemingly from nowhere. Crowley squeaked in alarm. Witchcraft. The woman was a witch. A witch who seemed competent in demonology. Fuck, he grumbled. You killed my familiar, the woman scowled, tears running down her tanned cheeks. Crowley winced. No wonder Pampion was so oddly clever and strong. It also explained the cat's immediate hatred for Crowley. Yeah, whoops. Crowley shrugged his tiny shoulders a second before the exorcism kicked him like that Clydesdale and sent him crashing face-first back into hell. This was all going much worse than he thought possible. He needed a respite, a place to learn the ropes of his new form without being immediately discorporated by predators or angry humans or angrier witches. But where could he possibly go to find that? Aziraphale nearly spilled his tea, so surprised was he when the little furry face appeared in his window. You gave me a fright, you naughty thing, he teased gently, smiling at the black and brown polecat. His smile widened when the cheeky wee thing tilted its head at him curiously and climbed up onto the sill. The angel was sure the creature would have scurried off. Who knew polecats were so curious? Are you hungry? I have some bacon left over from breakfast, he offered politely, so desperate for company that he'd happily play host to a weasel. He had been posing as a priest in this lonely rural community for over a decade, trying to negotiate peace between two feuding villages. In order to appear impartial, he had made his home in neutral territory between the two. Half a day's ride from the nearest human. The solitude had been a blessing at first, a welcome escape from the frustratingly petty complaints of the villagers. But as time went on, well, it seemed Aziraphale had rather grown accustomed to friendships and found himself quite bored for the lack of companionship. So he was quite pleased that the twee ickle polecat continued to haunt his premises, peeking in his windows or watching him from the garden. What a brave, sweet thing you are, he told the creature one rainy autumn day when it shared the covered porch with him to seek refuge from the weather. The polecat hid its face. 
Aziraphale could have sworn it looked embarrassed. The notion positively tickled him. Clever, too. Much drier up here by the house. Warmer, too, I'd imagine. I certainly wouldn't want to be out in this miserable rain. He hadn't meant it as an invitation, yet to the angel's surprise, the polecat let itself into the house that night. It watched him warily, the candlelight reflecting in its dark beady eyes like hellfire. Naughty thing, Aziraphale scolded. I'm happy to be friends with you, but you belong outside. He shooed it out the door, only feeling a little guilty about tossing it out into the storm, but wild animals were best kept wild. It wouldn't do to have the creature become too comfortable. The polecat had other ideas, though, and was back inside within the hour. How are you getting in? Aziraphale huffed inspecting his little house for cracks or holes that could grant the creature entry. It remained the polecat's secret, though, and after a few frustrating weeks, Aziraphale was forced to accept that he now shared his home with a smelly weasel. The least you could do is stay clear of my books, the angel grumbled when he returned from yet another failed negotiation, only to find the blasted polecat had once again weaseled its way into the house and made a nest on top of the bookshelf. Aziraphale anxiously checked his books for damage and, finding them untouched, breathed a sigh of relief. You're lucky you're so cute, he muttered, and smiled when the animal gave him a funny look. It almost looked indignant. He saw more and more of the polecat as the winter drew closer, and when the snow piled high, the silly thing was his only companion for weeks at a time. I do hope I'm not somehow harming you, Aziraphale confessed one morning as he watched the gentle weasel devour his little breakfast. The angel had set out some bits of salted pork, some day-old bread, and a small bowl of water on the table across from him, as he'd been doing all month when the thought occurred to him that this might be a tad unnatural. The polecat licked its nose with a long pink tongue and tilted its head at Aziraphale, as if confused. This did not alleviate Aziraphale's concerns. Only that you're so oddly tame, he explained. And at times it feels as though you actually understand me. Weasels are quite clever, of course, but I wonder at times if my angelic nature might be somehow enlightening you. The polecat snorted loudly and went back to its food. Huh, I must admit, I'm glad of the company. Aziraphale sighed, looking out the window at the snowy fields. It's good to talk to someone, even if they're unable to answer me.
I had wished my friend Crowley might have come by at some point. The polecat squeaked and moved on to its water bowl. Although he'd probably not be too happy to see you about, dear. <laughs> Poor dear boy seems to antagonize every bird and beast he comes across. You'd no doubt end up giving him a nasty bite, and I shouldn't like to think about what happened to you then. The polecat finished its water and scurried off to the old wool sweater Aziraphale left on the floor by the fire just for him. He nosed his way into his favorite sleeve and all but vanished except for the very tip of a dark tail. His belly full, the polecat was due for his morning nap. Aziraphale smiled at it, imagining for a moment the tail was covered in black scales rather than coarse hair. I hope he's all right, wherever he is, Aziraphale murmured, looking back out into the cold landscape. I hope he keeps warm. Crowley was woken from his nap by the sound of angry voices. Aziraphale had brought the town representatives together once again, and once again the talks were not going well. Crowley chuckled to himself and stretched in the warm springtime sun. His current favorite afternoon nap spot was a hay bale where he could see the comings and goings of the angel's little cottage while enjoying the heat of the springtime sun. He'd even dragged part of the angel's wool sweater inside for added comfort and warmth, and not because it still smelled faintly of angel. This was the life. Full belly, warm bed, no immediate threats, and he could covertly keep an eye on his target, best friend, while hiding in plain sight. He still had the odd stone thrown at him when a villager happened to spot him, and he'd had to have a stern chat with the now terrified squirrels and field mice about nicking the angels, and therefore his, food stores, but all in all, this was the easiest assignment he'd ever enjoyed. And it was an assignment now. Dagon had slunk up to check on him midwinter, forcing Crowley to trudge through the deep snow to meet her by the edge of the woods, where Aziraphale wouldn't be able to sense them. You're spying on the Principality, Dagon hissed, trying desperately not to look impressed. He hasn't seen through your disguise. Course not, Crowley had smirked. Harder to sense us in our animal forms, and not like he'd suspect me. Everyone knows Crowley's a snake, right? The duke had laughed evilly at that, which was proper laughter for a duke of hell, too eager for intel on heaven's operation to continue menacing Crowley over his tardiness sending reports. Of course, he hadn't actually delivered any intel yet and was determined to continue to fail in that regard. 
He'd told Dagon that Raphael was careful not to talk about heaven very often, but that was far from the truth. During the long winter months, Raphael had started telling him about the Silver City several times, and Crowley would have to wander off before the idiot angel said something damning. Literally. Not that he wasn't curious, and Hell would have collectively creamed their pants for what Crowley could learn if he'd had a mind to, but it wasn't healthy for the arrangement. Sooner or later, Raphael would have to learn about Crowley's new polecat form. It was no fun otherwise. Then Crowley could cackle and tease about hiding right under his nose. But if Aziraphale thought Crowley was actually using him for information on heaven, well, he might be more than a bit cross, and that might jeopardize their arrangement. Crowley liked their arrangement a great deal, so when heaven came up in conversation, Crowley left. He'd been a bit worried about being discovered when Aziraphale commented on his odd behavior, prompting Crowley to start introducing more feral behaviors to throw him off his scent. He'd left part of a fresh kill on the floor. He stole nearly everything that wasn't nailed down and hid it in his sweater. He'd even urinated in Aziraphale's bed once. All of this flustered the angel, but the last one resulted in him being rudely grabbed by the scruff and tossed out the door into a nearby snowdrift. It was great fun, really, and he hadn't heard another word about his weird behavior since. Yes, this was definitely as good as it got for a demon. Crowley could happily get used to it. So it shouldn't have come as a surprise that his small size and warm hiding spot would put him in a position to overhear some intel that would doom his continued peace and happiness. It couldn't last. Demons were never this lucky. Aziraphale's front door slammed shut, the sound rattling Crowley out of his doze. I've heard it with this ridiculous priest, he heard a man growl. Crowley's nose twitched at the derisive comments about the angel. He yawned sleepily, scratched his ear, then peered out between the cords of wood to see who he needed to bite. Two men stomped down the angel's steps, glaring angrily ahead. Crowley had seen them here before and recognized them as representatives from the village of Braid. Dragging us to this godforsaken homestead every month to hound us into making noise with those thieving Elginton bastards. The second man snarled before spitting over his shoulder towards the little house. The literal God-forsaken Crowley suppressed a snicker at that suggestion. However, the breeze brought an unmistakable whiff of malice past his nose, and Crowley's mood instantly darkened. He's holding Marcia Sunday, the priest, 
the other man hissed. He had his voice pitched low as they passed the woodpile, but utterances of violence, usually music to a demon's ears, were amplified, so Crowley heard him very clearly. Afterwards, perhaps he has an accident. Or better yet, meets a suspicious end, only it looks to be at the hands of some Elginton rat, the first man suggested with a crooked smirk. No chance the church will send another interloper after that. Put an end to this truce business once and for all. The pair chortled together as they walked off, and Crowley grumbled under his breath and settled down to resume his nap. He had to enjoy every scrap of this life that he could. Apparently, it would all be over on Sunday. Aziraphale couldn't wish for finer weather in which to hold an outdoor mass. The sky was clear, the breeze gentle, and the ground as dry as English spring would allow. He would have much preferred the controlled environment of a cosy church, but this particular congregation required some more spacious accommodations. The people of Breed still wouldn't willingly mingle with Elginton villagers or vice versa, so a proper sanctuary was quite impossible at this time. Still, there was hope, and maybe by next winter… well, these people were stubborn, but surely there was hope for them, or why bother sending Aziraphale at all? They'll come round, we all he told the omnipresent polecat, currently watching him from the edge of the nearby stream. Since the polecat had apparently decided to stick around, Aziraphale decided he deserved a real name. And now that Viol had a proper name, like a proper companion, Aziraphale felt less silly talking to the animal like it understood him. After all... He continued with a smile. Even getting them to meet in the same field is progress. The small steps still contribute to the journey. Viol, of course, said nothing, but looked dubious all the same. Aziraphale laughed and wagged a finger at the twee weasel. You'll see, dear boy. Why, just look at this marvellous sunshine. Something good is bound to happen today. The villagers arrived from opposite directions along the road, parking their carts far apart and each leaving some to guard them, each still expecting the worst from the other. Aziraphale tried not to let this lower his spirits. Small steps he muttered to himself, plastering on his brightest smile before stepping forward to greet his unruly flock. Yes, the weather was perfect. The air smelled fresh with promise. Maybe this time his teachings would take root. Maybe this time he'd change some hearts. Maybe there would be peace.
he ought to have known better. Aziraphale was seldom so lucky. Sure enough, when Aziraphale was halfway through his sermon, one of the men of breed gave a shrill cry of alarm. Something bit me! he shouted angrily, hopping about dramatically and pointing to his bleeding ankle. A weasel! a woman screamed, scurrying away in fright. Oh, bother! Aziraphale grumbled. After nearly a year of good behaviour, why did we all have to act out now? Please be calm, he called to his flustered parishioners. Tis just another of God's creatures, after all. We'll just chew him away. No reason for... Goodness, no reason for knives, certainly. There had been a very clear rule against bringing weapons to these meetings, be they for worship or negotiations. Aziraphale had insisted anything that could be used as such be left in the carts, and again, after a year of good behaviour, he'd let down his guard. Alaps two villagers seemed to have taken advantage of. Floundering around on a bloody ankle, the first man's coat fell open to reveal a large spear-point knife on his belt. His friend, struggling with his bootlaces knotted together, was similarly armed, waving the blade wildly at the streak of dark fur as we all escaped the bedlam of stamping feet. And raced right at Aziraphale. Directly up his heavy cassock. Oh, Huck! Aziraphale shrieked, unable to hide his surprise at having tiny cold paws climbing up the back of his legs, clinging to his woolen hose as Viol climbed higher, as if seeking sanctuary in the back of the angel's breeches. Oh, Lords! he squeaked, when it turned out that was exactly Viol's plan. Aziraphale jumped and staggered, trying to extricate the wriggling animal until he slipped on a clump of unstable grass and fell backwards into the cold stream. Viol! Aziraphale spluttered, soaked through and deeply flustered. Stay down! A small, gruff voice hissed in his ear. Aziraphale shivered, and not from the cold. Viol, he whimpered. The polecat peered up at him through his unbound collar and... and winked. Then, to Aziraphale's continued surprise, the creature erupted into a pillar of dark smoke, rising from the cassock to tower high above the stream and the now terrified villagers. Large black wings materialized from the cloud and two unmistakable yellow eyes. Right, listen up, humans! Crowley roared, sending two swooping tendrils of inky smoke to corral the fleeing villagers into a, literally, captive audience. Excellent work, all of you. 
plenty of quality sinning. Envy, greed, lots of wrath. Why, these two blokes even planned to kill a priest. The armed men were suddenly flung into the air and caught in twisting tentacles of mist. No wonder you finally attracted a demon. Crowley laughed sinisterly, a cold, oily sound that was nothing at all like his true laughter. Aziraphale would note that later, although for the moment he was still far too shocked to notice such things. Please spare us, someone shouted. Aziraphale scrabbled upright, trying to pull himself up the bank, but something yanked him back down into the muddy brushes. Stay down, priest, Crowley hissed loudly, glowing eyes finally falling back on the dripping angel. Aziraphale glared back, crossing his arms in sullen consternation, but he allowed Crowley to continue unimpeded. At this point, he honestly had little choice in the matter. A literal demon of hell was putting on a bloody morality play and nothing short of revealing himself as an angel would stop the menace now. And Aziraphale was under strict orders not to reveal his true nature. Spare you. Crowley materialized a large, fanged mouth in order to properly grin down at the humans. He was really being terribly over the top. Why wouldn't I? After all, you're all doing my master's work so well. I'll see you all in hell soon enough. There were terrified shrieks and sobs at that. I think that's enough, Crowley, Aziraphale growled quietly. His admonishment was barely above a whisper, but he knew the demon hurt him perfectly. The dramatic effects instantly doubled in size and tripled in theatricality. Fire now sparked at the edges of the billowing pillars of smoke. The air stank of brimstone and the stream itself turned a livid blood red. Aziraphale lifted his hand, now dripping in Azad's blood, and shook it in distaste. Ha <laughs> ha! Peace might have saved you! Crowley laughed. Ha <laughs> ha! Might have spared your children my wrath, but you're all far too petty, aren't you? Some long-forgotten slight means more to you than your own souls. Delicious meat waiting for the spits. I'll enjoy sucking the marrow from your bones. Aziraphale rolled his eyes and huffed in annoyance. He heard the drumming of receding footsteps as the poor humans fled. Clearly Crowley was at last finished with his show, The Menace. And Aziraphale was finished with his assignment.
There would be no chance of continuing in his role now that a monstrous demon had sprang from his chest in front of the entire congregation. Hand up, Angel, Crowley asked cheekily. He was now back in his usual dark-haired form, grinning crookedly and offering a hand from the bank. Aziraphale grasped that hand firmly in thanks before yanking Crowley off his feet to crash face first into the water beside him. I am not speaking to you, he snapped, using Crowley's submerged shoulders to lever himself up out of the icy water at last. <coughs> what was that? Crowley coughed. Didn't hear you. Water in me, yes. I said I'm not speaking to you, Aziraphale repeated angrily, shooting the demon a glare over his shoulder as he wrung out his cassock. He didn't dare miracle himself dry and risk bringing down heaven's attention. You're not what? Crowley asked with exaggerated confusion while shaking the water from his hair. I'm not speaking to... Aziraphale cut himself off, seeing Crowley's roguish grin. Oh, you rotter, he snarled, stomping away. Don't be like that, Crowley drawled, materializing warm and dry on the angel's wet shoulder. Familiar soft fur brushed his reddening cheek and whiskers tickled his ear. Those two twats were gonna discorporate you and blame your murder on Elginton. Your assignment was over today one way or another. Least now there's a chance they'll change their ways, yeah? Aziraphale snatched the demon by the scruff and held him aloft before him as he hurried up his front steps. I wish to be warm and dry, he told the malicious little monster. Immediately. A wave of heat rolled through him from his heels to his hat, drying his boot mid-squelch with the rest of his clothes soon to follow. Aren't you gonna congratulate me on my new form? Crowley asked brightly, twisting gently in Aziraphale's grip as though posing before an artist. Pretty handsome, no? Aziraphale harumphed, pivoted at his door and, since he no longer needed to pose as human, pitched the vermin in an overhand throw much farther than humanly possible. There was a very satisfying screech, followed by an even more satisfying splash in the pond on the other side of the field. To think he'd been missing the demon this whole time and Crowley had been spying on him right under his nose. Well, that was the end of that, to be sure. Villainous, nasty fiend. Aziraphale would be quite happy not to lay eyes on him again, thank you very much. The lying tramp. Very glad of it, yes. Oh, but his little tween nose had been ever so soft. Well, 
Aziraphale was an angel, and to forgive was divine. Perhaps he'd manage it, so long as Crowley apologized with a proper selection of sweets.